Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. And today I'm going to tell you about the disappearance of Sandra Johnson Hughes. So pour yourselves a strong cup of joe, and let's dive in. continue on with our content for this week's episode shortly but first we wanted to take a moment to let you know about an opportunity to listen to even more crime over coffee content by signing up for our patreon you can receive ad-free episodes and additional content to check out this opportunity and sign up for the crime over coffee patreon visit www.patreon.com slash crime over coffee pod thank you again for all of your support in the summer of 2020 Sandra Johnson Hughes, also called Sandy, was 54 years old. Sandy was really into the outdoor. She loved to camp. She was very skilled at it, and she just had a really great time being outside. She actually had trained to be a park ranger in college, and because of this, as I mentioned, she's very experienced with the outdoors. She had recently moved from Hawaii to California um, in June of 2020, and She decided, you know, this was during the pandemic, so everything shut down. And she decided she's going to go on a solo hiking and camping trip, which was not abnormal for her. This is something she'd done before. Sandy decides that she's going to go camp in, in or near Johnson Meadows. And this is in the Sierra National Forest in California. At some point that her family has not heard from her. Um, They had not heard from her since... June 26th and it wasn't entirely weird because they knew that she was planning on solo camping you know you don't always have a signal you're kind of in the outdoors doing your thing but what became weird is on July 2nd there were hikers that were walking around the area and they found a bunch of abandoned gear and supplies that were just like thrown around a campsite and there was a tent there And they also found Sandy's personal information and documents. I assume that means her ID and whatnot. I want to mention that where her camp was set up was about 10 miles south of Yosemite. And her family thought that she might be going up there to hike in Yosemite. But the hikers find all this stuff. And it obviously seemed a little strange because Sandy's nowhere to be found but her stuff is everywhere and it's a mess. And so they decide to contact the sheriff's office. At this point, her family's getting more involved. Obviously the sheriff's office is involved and they're figuring something's wrong, Sandy's missing, whether it be she wandered off and got hurt or something more sinister, they weren't sure, but they knew that something was up. And to further corroborate this, Sandy's niece, Ashley, had said that that the state of Sandy's campsite would have been very unusual with it being as messy as it was because Sandy was very um, particular and neat. And like I mentioned, she is trained in this. So she would never have just thrown her stuff all around. Her niece goes as far as say that even a piece of litter on the ground bothered Sandy. So this was just way out of character. I know we've talked about it before, but I... 
love when we cover cases and there are family members or friends who can come in and say, this is absolutely out of the mm-hmm. normal for this individual. We need to investigate it further because for some people that would be totally normal for them. And so mm-hmm. that may not be a suspicious thing to look into, but because of what her niece said, we know that Sandy would not have done this and it is suspicious and should be looked into. And I think too, we've had conversations as far as how somebody parks their car or where they park and like if that would be weird or if that would be a set off. And you're right. It's it's really funny to see. I don't know if funny is the right word, but to see somebody who knows so specifically about this person is like absolutely not something's wrong. And I think that's obviously great to have. Absolutely. I would use the word heartwarming. Like it's just yeah. like if somebody knew that I something was wrong with me because my car wasn't in the correct spot. I'd feel very appreciative that somebody cared that much or like knew that much about me, knew me that well. Or like if there was a day that you didn't drink coffee, I would think you were possessed by something and it wasn't actually (laughs) you or a doppelganger or something. You know what? There's a lot of people that would probably think that if or like if I ordered a Frappuccino from a coffee shop, people would probably look at me a little weird. (laughs) Like, Erica, you good? (laughs) Totally fine. On July 4th, so two days after Sandy's campsite is found, she is actually reported to have been seen. And this is near the Chiquito Pass trailhead. Apparently some witnesses, they call them motorists. I'm not sure what kind of motorists they were, if they were on, uh, in a car or on a motorcycle, but they reportedly see Sandy and say that she was barefoot and had a bruise on her face and they tried to help her but she was just like no i'm fine i'm fine and so they're like okay and they leave this does get reported to the yosemite national park officials seems suspicious absolutely it's crazy to think that someone's out in the woods missing shoes and clearly kind of struggling if they deny help, you you would definitely think there's something wrong. Well, it was really nice of them to at least stop because I feel like in the wilderness, a lot of people are hesitant to stop when they see random strangers. But the fact that they stopped and tried to ask if they she needed help was really nice of them. All right. So at this point, the last known for sure contact we have is Sandy from her family is on June 26th. Her campsite is found on July 2nd. She supposedly possibly had this interaction with witnesses on July 4th where she denied help but seemed to be like she was struggling and then the next day on July 5th her vehicles found it was a silver sob and what they had found was that it was basically like up on a stump in a ravine near the Chiquito Creek trailhead which is where she was supposedly last seen by witnesses It was off of a dirt road, and additionally, it was five miles north of her campsite, and it had collided with a tree, and because of the damage that happened, it's assumed that it was, the car was traveling at a speed of less than 20 miles per hour and hit the tree before rolling into the ravine where it was found. She potentially crashed her car into this location and then left. And that's probably when the people had seen her. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's the idea. Something that I thought was really interesting about this, I guess, and I didn't know this was a thing, but it happened apparently. Law enforcement 
they were notified about the vehicle. They see it wrecked and they decide to leave it there, hoping that the owner would return to it for supplies or shelter, which does make sense if they make their way back to the car. So they would have some type of physical shelter, but it's just kind of not something you ever think about, like seeing a wrecked car and it just being left. So that would make sense to me in the situation that she's in. Mm -hmm. She's in the wilderness and so maybe she went out to look for help and maybe they were thinking like she would track her way from her car to wherever mm-hmm. she went so she could get back to her car. That's actually very smart. Absolutely. That's not something I would have ever thought about. And it makes no. me wonder if they do that often because that absolutely makes sense. Because otherwise, I mean, that's obviously if you guys have ever been in a forest, a lot of forests will look the exact same if you're really deep into it. And so you may not exactly know where you're at. But if you have a landmark like a giant car in the middle mm-hmm. of the woods, you might have a better idea of where you're at. Better sense of direction that way. I like that. And then nothing happens until a week later on July 12th. A sleeping bag that matched a recent purchase of Sandy's from REI was found off trail. Um, and it was about two and a half miles north of the car crash. And it was just inside the Yosemite National Park boundary. So in theory, she made it all the way up to Yosemite Park, potentially, right? Or at least her sleeping bag did? At least her sleeping bag did, I guess. But, you know, it's just odd because all her supplies were found 10 miles south of Yosemite. Her car is like another what five miles up north towards Yosemite and then her sleeping bag is so why would she get in her car and leave all her supplies all disheveled and then go up and drive north crash her car and then continue to walk north and then continue to hike yeah you're right that is suspicious I would expect her in theory more to turn around unless she was confused on where she was at but it sounds like she was out there a lot so in theory she'd be familiar with the area so i don't know sure i mean and she she was trained a trained park ranger and she was an avid outdoorsman so you know and she crashed off a dirt road so you think she would be able to at least maybe try to find her way back but of course you never know if she hit her head or something like that happened and she was very disoriented i was gonna say let's pull out the bryce lespiza theory yeah hit her head forgot who she was got really confused you know head trauma can do a lot to you So maybe she was trying to go somewhere and just got confused on where she was because of head trauma. I mean, it's still like it still seems weird to me that she told the passerbys like, I'm totally fine. I don't need any help. Mm -hmm. If she didn't have any sort of potential head damage, I think she probably I don't know if I had just been in a car accident, I would accept help. Yeah, it's very strange at this point. There is, and I'm going to use a technical term here, a crap ton of agencies that get involved in the search. I won't go through and list all of them. I truly mean there were there were probably seven or eight at least different agencies involved in searching for her. They had ground searches with volunteers and trained people and dogs, and they had the California Air National Guard doing aerial searches and they're looking everywhere but they they find no sign of sandra on august 9th nearly a month after her sleeping bag was found 
Sandy was reported being seen again. And this was by two hunters in the area. And what they had told the officials was that they saw a woman who was kind of leaning against a tree along road 5S01 near Beersore Road and in the area of Chiquito Creek near the Portuguese Overlook. And this was within five miles of her campsite that was found. The hunters had five miles in the direction of where her car was or five miles in a different direction? That I don't know. It is not reported, so I'm not sure the exact direction. Um, I was just curious if we had a whole other location in this wilderness that she was potentially seen. Well, she's back closer to her campsite, it sounds like, because she's now within five miles of it. So she's at least about five miles away from her sleeping bag now. So in theory, I'm, I'm just drawing in my head. So in theory, she crashed her car north about five miles, went maybe another five miles north and dropped off her sleeping bag and went another five miles back down to near where her sleeping bag or her campsite is. Well, it was interesting what had happened. The hunters actually had seen her and when they got back from their trip, because they just see a woman leaning up against a tree, they don't really think anything of it. Maybe it's a hiker or something. They actually see a missing person fly, missing persons flyer for Sandy and they're like, that's who we saw. And they contact authorities and they are saying like, that she didn't wave them down, she didn't try to talk to them, and that she appeared to be visibly thinner than her last known photos, which would make sense if she's been out in the wilderness for over a month at this point. But again, we go to that question of if that was her, why didn't she ask for help? I It is weird. This is now twice that she's been potentially spotted by people in the wilderness and that are willing to help her, and she's still not accepting help it is very strange unless now this is because we do a true crime podcast where we cover a lot of weird scenarios was she on the run from something is there some sort of dark secret or past or history that she was trying to run from or hide from at this point sure and i mean at this point her family's not thinking it's anything like that they're not really sure what to think i mean we have a few options here obviously maybe like erica said she was trying to kind of go off and do her own thing seems a little odd but maybe maybe she crashed her car and she got confused and disoriented and maybe that's why she didn't ask for help she truly didn't know what was going on what's super interesting to me is the fact that her campsite was so messed up now what i was thinking was was it was it Sandy that did that or was it someone else who saw an abandoned campsite and tried to take advantage of it looking for something that they could steal? And maybe it's just completely unrelated. And maybe that's what it was. Maybe she left with the intent of going up to Yosemite just to kind of explore for the day. Mm-hmm. And while she was up there, she maybe accidentally crashed her car and then took her sleeping bag to go find a place to stay that was safe. I don't know. And then somebody ransacked her campsite, I guess. I could see it. Maybe she was trying to get back, was disoriented and grabbed. Maybe just her sleeping bag was in the car. Like maybe she just grabbed what she had to take with her just in case. Yeah. And that's why. Which would make sense. But it's just some other stuff. It's just so odd. Like she would have had to just been so confused then that she didn't even ask for help when the hunters saw her. I feel like there had to have been some sort of trauma. Yeah, because the hunter saw her like a month, basically 
it was over a month from when she was last spoken to by her family. Yeah, I'm going to say that there was some sort of trauma or some sort of psychotic break or something. Mm-hmm. The trauma makes a little bit more sense just because of the car accident. Sure. Either way, it's or, all suspicious. Another thought is, you know, maybe it was like a wrong place, wrong time thing. And maybe someone attacked her at the campsite or something and she got in her car to take off and crashed or they took her car and crashed it and maybe she got away at some point and she was scared and just scared to even approach anyone else. That's possible. Maybe she didn't know who had necessarily attacked her and so she didn't want to ask for help from anybody because Mm -hmm. they may have been with that person. That sounds straight out of a movie, but... I mean, it could, because it happens in movies all the time, it could be a genuine fear. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Eventually, they do remove her car from the ravine where it crashed. And they, they do say there's nothing that really signifies serious injury or anything worse based on what they had evidence wise. I think by that, they mean there's not a lot of blood anywhere. There's nothing that's pointing to a major injury. And they kind of think, well, she's an avid outdoorsman. She might be able to survive in the wilderness. So maybe that's initially why they kept searching for her so much, because I figured she would likely still be alive. Sandra Johnson Hughes is five foot three inches, and she weighed around 150 pounds. She has wavy brown hair and brown eyes. As of August 2020, there's no new information that's come into this case. So if anybody has any information about her and her disappearance, they can contact the Madeira County Sheriff's Office at 559-675-7770. Thanks to listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. All of our sources can be found in the show notes for each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also support us by recommending us to friends and family, giving us a good review on Apple Podcasts, or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.